William Booth. He was a minister. But probably best known because he was the founder of the Salvation Army. I share him with you this morning because of something that he said one time that I think is very brilliant. And I want it to be the focus of our thoughts throughout our time this morning of looking to God's Word. Here's what he said. It's the nature of a fire to go out. And then he went on to say, you must keep it stirred and fed and the ashes removed. Now think about that. It's the nature of a fire to go out. You must keep it stirred and fed and the ashes removed. Not all of you, but many of you remember September the 11th of 2001. That Wednesday night, there was a Bible study or a prayer meeting, I should say, already started when I got home from teaching school in Louisville, Kentucky at the little church in southern Indiana where I was at. Initiated by the people. That Sunday morning, our attendance, our our room was almost full. One of the highest attendances for quite a while. Week after that, a few less. Week after that, even less. And before long, it was things back to normal. The fire, you see, didn't get stirred and fed in those individual lives. Oh, we did our best. And we've been doing our best and trying during this crisis as well. But even our Facebook live stream, the number of people who have been coming on and watching, uh, the number of new engagements started gradually decreasing. It's a part of our human nature. It's a part of our human nature that if we don't intentionally and conscientiously strive to keep our life going in the direction that we know it needs to be going, things will start to fade. Think about it physically. That that attempt to, to start a new diet and to lose weight and to get in shape. And everything goes good for a couple weeks and then all of a sudden we miss a day. And then we miss a couple days. And all of a sudden we realize, wow, it's been several weeks since we went and walked. That was a discussion my wife and I had. It's human nature for our fires to go out if we don't keep things stirred up and fed and the ashes, whatever they might be, removed. Our text for today is taken from Nehemiah chapter 13. And here's how that chapter begins. On that day, they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people. 
And in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God, for they did not meet the people of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. Yet our God turned the curse into a blessing. As soon as the people heard the law, they separated from Israel all those of foreign descent. Now here's the setting. On that day, we don't know if he's talking about on that day of dedication of the wall. It's really not precise. Or if this is a glimpse back, because they had another day, as you'll recall, when the wall was completed. When the wall was completed, they had found the book of the law and they read it. And Man, that, they just were so convinced that they needed to do things according to the way the book said. But here's another tendency of us as people. It's the tendency to be legalistic. And what they did was after they read it and after they were taught it and after they made those commitments, they started looking for loopholes. The Ammonites and Moabites were not only forbidden from the worship, but you see, they were absolutely supposed to have been forbidden from being even in their midst. That's what he's talking about here when he's quoting. This is actually a quote of Deuteronomy 23, verses 3 to 5. When he says, no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God, they weren't even to be in their presence. But it had been ten generations. And over that amount of time, all of a sudden, things started going out. Drifting away from what they knew to be right. Now why does that happen? You see, that's what I want to look at today. I want us to look at this whole idea of a lesson from leadership. And and I want us to think of it not just in terms of, of what Nehemiah did or didn't do right. I want us to look at it in terms of how he was trying to lead them and what happened as a result of that and what he did to try to bring things back to the way they should be. first thing that I see as I look at these passages is a reminder of of a passage that we're very familiar with or should be Romans 5 chapter 4 Paul writes for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope how can you and I take these stories of the past And be encouraged by them. Have hope by them. Those people on that day that the wall was completed, on that day when when the wall was dedicated, both days, they got God's Word out. And they read it. And when they read it, they were inspired by it. In fact, the very next words after what I read say, now before this, there was a time gap. They were going back and looking back. And what happened before that was the fact that they had failed. One of the things that 
I think that we need to note is that even though Nehemiah was the best of all leaders, I lost my passenger somewhere. I guess this is it. Even though Nehemiah was the best of all leaders, he was a human. He was a man. And the best of men are still just men at best. I like that. That was a quote. I was looking for things to to find to, to talk about how we tend to be flawed. And somebody said this anonymously. The best of men are still men at best. I promise you, not joyfully, but realistically, I promise you that because I am human, one of these days, I'm going to fail. And why? Why? Well, let me give you a little bit of an illustration as to why. Two glasses. One golden. Beautiful. Illustrating how God wants us to be pure. The other glass, red representing sin. The sinfulness of the world in which we live. Now, if we don't have our lives where they need to be, if we're not reading God's Word on a regular basis, if we're not praying and talking to God on a regular basis, if we're not worshiping with other Christians on a regular basis, our life isn't going to be pure. It's going to be tainted, isn't it? But if we're living the way God calls us to live, and one of the things that we're called to do is we're called to go out into the world and share the gospel message. If we're not, if this is what we look like, that's what we're going to continue to look like, and that's what the world is going to look like, right? But if we've gotten our lives where they need to be, and we go into the world after a little bit we might be tainted at first but after just a little bit of reading God's word again and praying God's word again and praying to God and and meditating, our lives are going to be pure. We will be in the world, but we won't be of the world. And part of the reason we fail as human beings is that we don't take that time to prepare ourselves. I was an athlete when I was younger. I need to be at least a walking athlete again get a little bit back in shape. But I was an athlete when I was younger and 
and I worked and I trained. And when I went into a match, if the rest of the team had worked just as hard and trained just as hard, we were successful the majority of the time. But if we didn't take that preparation, if we didn't take that discipline time seriously, before long, we were not in the shape we needed to be. We didn't know what we needed to be doing. And so we failed. Nehemiah was a leader. But he was a bigger-than-life leader. He didn't create people who were ready to step up and take the the role. He had a bunch of people who were looking at him and following him. The fact is, is that we're not created to follow. We're not called to just follow. We are called to be disciples. We have a mentor, Jesus Christ. We are to be mentees, people who are like our leader, people who have been prepared, and people who are ready to pick up the reins and go with it. I think one of the greatest tragedies that we see anywhere in Christianity, and it happens frequently, is when a minister leads a congregation for the attendance of the congregation to just drop off. I know of a few congregations where when the minister left and they were without a minister for a while, the attendance didn't drop off. It actually started growing. Not because they had a bad minister, but because a lot of the people who had been sitting back willing to be just followers decided it was time for them to get involved and to take action and to start doing that which needed to be done. You see, what we have here in the story of Nehemiah is the fact that that Nehemiah had gone away. And when he left, things went downhill. If you have it in front of you, look at verse 6. While this was taking place, while all of this failure was taking place, I was not in Jerusalem. For in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I went back to the king. He had told the king at the beginning of the book of Nehemiah, I need to go back and I'm only going to stay a certain amount of time. And he did that. And in fact, in 52 days, just 52 days, he got the task completed and the walls were built. But he went back. And when he went back, things started going downhill. Why? Because he was a human. And because he had created followers who were willing to work as long as he was telling them what to do and where to go. But he hadn't really created disciples, leaders. People who would take the reins and go with it. 
I saw this quote, and I like it. It was by Alistair Begg. Because I think this is a way in which this passage can speak to us today. This was written many years ago before Alistair Begg had any idea of what was going to happen now. There was another crisis going on at that time. And here's what he wrote. In the present climate of compromise, we cannot exalt tolerance above truth. You hear everybody calling out, well, oh man, we need to be tolerant. We need to be tolerant. Can't we all just get along? It's a false understanding of tolerance. We do need to be tolerant. But we need to be doing it under the correct definition. What is tolerance? Tolerance is when you and I, even if we disagree, decide that we're still going to treat each other as humans and respect each other as humans and still have conversation with each other. But we're not going to come to the point at which we say, oh well, if that's what you believe, that's okay. You know, you can do that. Thinking, Letting them think that we don't disagree with them. It's being able to say we need to be able to disagree and still be friends. There are a lot of things that are more important than just getting along. Well, can't we all just get along? You know, you hear that. There are a lot of things that are far more important. And some of those things that that are more important have to do with the fact of what the truth is. And I think this is where we can learn today from the leadership of Nehemiah. If we look at Nehemiah's response through this passage, one of the things that we see right away was that his life was based upon prayer. When he got back and he saw that everything was going on, he started taking some action. But notice what else he did. Verse 14. Remember me, O my God, concerning this. And do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for His service. Verse 22. Remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of Your steadfast love. Verse 31. Remember me, O my God, for good. He got back and he found things in a shamble. And what did he do? He didn't go to pieces. He went to God. He went to God in prayer. He started taking action. Started correcting the things that were wrong that he saw. But he started first of all by getting on his knees. And then in and with the power of prayer. He set out to correct what was wrong. You read the 13th chapter. Remember back in the beginning of the book as he was starting to think about rebuilding and he came back to to Jerusalem? Remember who popped their heads up? 
Tobiah and Sanballat, enemies coming against him. Well, now in the 13th chapter, he comes back to Jerusalem and what does he find? He finds Tobiah, the enemy of God, and all that was taking place, living in the temple. They had cleared a room out for him in the temple, and he was living right there in the temple complex. And Nehemiah said, no. Only the Levites are to live in the temple. That's what those rooms are for. And the room that you cleared out for him is the room that's supposed to be used for the grain that the people give to be used in the sacrifices and the blessings. No. Tobiah can't live here. And notice what he does. He he jumps right in. Both feet. He says, I was angry. Verse 8, I threw out all of the household furniture of Tobiah out of the chamber for the temple. Then I gave orders and they cleansed the chambers. He made corrections right away that needed to be made. Because you know what? We can't condone We can't condone what is wrong, whether it's by our words or by our actions. We're as much a part of the problem when we do that. When we start to facilitate somebody who's not doing what they're supposed to be doing. We need to be able to not only just correct what's wrong, but we need to confront And we need to do that in love. And that's what we see Nehemiah doing. He's not condemning. He's not saying to them, oh, you're you're going to be going to hell for allowing that man to live in the temple in that chamber. He just says, no, we we need to get things cleaned out. We need to get this back the way it's supposed to be. We're not the judge. I'm glad I'm not the judge. I have people come to me periodically and they'll say, do you think so-and-so saved? And I'll say, I don't know. What I do know is what God's Word says. Here's how we're supposed to live. Here are things that Paul says are behaviors of people who can't inherit eternal life. And some of those seem to be present in that person's life. But I'm not the judge. We're not to condemn. We're to confront with God's Word. In fact, the Bible says, speak the truth. How? In love. Speak the truth in love. Now, you know what? It's just as wrong to speak the truth in harsh, critical, unloving ways. If, even if it's true, if we are saying it in a way in which it is hurting people, 
It's just as wrong, even though it's the truth. One of the worst, or I should say one of the most frequent, one of the easiest ways to gossip is like this. This is my phone. Hey, we need to keep Sister Susie in our prayers. Did you hear about... We do it in a godly way. Oh, we need to pray for them, but let me tell you all the dirt while I'm at it. That is as anti-Christian as it would be just to go out onto the streets and slander those people publicly. We need to do the correction of what is wrong when possible. We need to be confronting what is wrong in love, speaking the truth in love. Asking the question, what's the Word say? Because you see, that's what they did here. Chapter 13, verse 2. Let me say it again. Verse 1 and 2. Quoting Deuteronomy chapters, verses 3, 20, chapter 23, verses 3 to 5. Going back to God's Word and saying, here's what the Bible says. You all are, are involved in all of this. And a big part of it, if you go back and read uh, Ezra as well, had to do with the intermarriage of believers with non-believers. The intermarriage of, of the Jewish believers with these pagan Ammonites and Moabites. But then, even after correcting and confronting, if we go back to 1 Corinthians 13 again, how does it end? Faith important hope very important and love these three but the greatest of these is love we need to be a people who are known for the way we encourage others and that's a big part of what Nehemiah did as he set about to get things back to the way they were he reminded them of God's Word. He reminded them of what they needed to do and how they needed to be headed. He set them an example in terms of His own life and His prayer life. But then, verse 30, He said, I cleansed them from everything foreign and I established the duties of the priests and the Levites again, each in their work, encouraging these men. Here's what you're supposed to be doing as, as the spiritual leaders. Let's get going at it. He said, I even provided the wood offering at the appointed times and the first fruits. And what happened was the purity started rising back to the top. We need to be in the world. But we have to make sure that we are not of the world. That we are examples of the good that the Bible, God's Word, the lessons, the teachings of Jesus, we are living by those so that our integrity is not questioned.
when we go out and share with others. Let's pray.